Welcome, welcome once again to It's More Than Just Fights. I am your host, The Real Deal, Ricky Roller. As I say, seems like every episode we're going to stick with the trend and we're once again now three days late, but damn sure not a dollar short. <laughs> I got today with me once again, Ron the Street King London. Yep. And joining us today for the first time, we have... Uh, we give these guys shout-outs quite a bit. The Sporting Lounge, the uh, the all-around sports podcast that gave It's More Than Just Fights its opportunity and its platform. We have one of their hosts today, Travis Boggio, with us. Hello, what's up, everybody? Uh, today's episode is going to be strictly MMA-based. We got quite a bit of rumor mill news coming up, injuries that have caused a lot of different <laughs> things to occur. Uh, before we dive into everything, though... Let's uh, go ahead and give Travis a minute to kind of explain what his podcast is about. You know, we get our guests on. We like to give them their moment of shine at the beginning of the episode like we did Naeem and we've done Ron. and We try to do with every guest we have on, whether it be somebody that helped us get started or not. We're going to go ahead and let (laughs) Travis explain what exactly the Sporting Lounge is, where you guys can tune into them, and what exactly they cover. Well, thank you, Ricky. And, uh, yeah, like you said before, we're just an all-around sports podcast, and... We do a lot. We're football heavy, obviously, but we try to stick to the big four on the podcast, at least on our social media pages on Facebook and whatnot. We stick to all sports, everything shared, even video gaming, everything. If you like any of that, come join us. We appreciate it. And we also appreciate Ricky joining us and coming under us and doing his thing. We appreciate his movement and 269 gloves up, guns down. Um, It's a great movement. There's been lots of tragedy in the city and around the country so we're trying to show people there's another way and we, we get behind that so i appreciate that travis uh, actually we just had an event uh on the 15th last saturday we were able to raise a little bit of funds for uh bobby sims the second that passed away here in battle creek back at uh day before father's day uh, and unfortunately gunned down on his uh break at work and uh, we, we were able to do something for him and help provide for him and his family a little bit towards a headstone purchase. Um, but outside of that, if you guys are interested in anything sports-related, like Travis said, go ahead and tune into the Sporting Lounge. You can find them just like you do us. Punch us in right into Google, or you can find us on Spotify under the Sporting Lounge or our podcast, It's More Than Just Fights. In the Facebook group as well, uh, there should be a, our link tree posted in one of the pin posts, and if not, there, it's in my personal page bio. It should go to everything. It has a link to the YouTube, TikTok, Facebook group, um, our audio on Spotify, every episode, and it also has one for Pod, uh, Pod Chaser, I believe, or Podcaster, where you rate people's podcasts, which we appreciate your feedback, and we also have one directly for Ricky's link for uh, It's More Than Just Fights as well. Appreciate that information, Travis. But mm-hmm. uh, speaking of, it's more than just fights. We uh, we got a lot of news going on when it comes to the UFC and MMA lately. I know we uh, typically rotate between MMA and pro wrestling, but uh, personal opinion, pro wrestling's died down quite a bit. We will have a podcast that covers that very soon. But there's a lot of rumor mills floating around right now. MMA, a lot of injuries that have shaken things up. A lot of potential returns. Um, if we're on the subject of returns, I talked during the last episode briefly about uh, Ronda Rousey being in the WWE and her potential return to the UFC. I have confirmed from uh, Pro Wrestling Exclusives website and Fight MMA that Rousey is supposed to be booked at SummerSlam in Detroit against Shayna Baszler. Now, there's rumors floating as to what type of match they're going to have and they're both former shana has got i think close to 25 pro mma fights fought in strike force and ronda being ronda they were a tag team um everybody's floating around the idea that the ufc is going to bring back a match they had in nxt where they use a octagon and it's more so mma based i could see them doing that because it has been confirmed through ufc that ronda rousey is returning but she's returning at 145 pounds. Mm. Now, my question for the both of you on that is, what is our thoughts on the 145 division now for the UFC at the women's weight? Because previously, Jermaine Durandamy had the title, 
And because there was nobody other than Cyborg at the time, she vacated the 145 title. And that's when Nunez then successfully obtained the vacant 145 title, successfully defended it, I think, twice. Outside of that, she never had another title defense for that 145 belt. However, that 135 went up several times. I do believe tied Silva's record before she finally lost. So if there isn't any competition at the 145, why is Ronda going to 145 other than to seek a vacant title? I was going to say, that's exactly what she's doing. Amanda's gone. Cyborg's gone. Like, there's nobody there. All she has to do is just win. Easy way. Easy way. Easy way out. And way easier than 35, that's for sure. And if she wins it, <clears throat> she's going to be able to just sit there and be a title holder and have to fight whenever. And, and that's the thing is the 145 belt is defended so infrequently that if she wanted to do a Lesnar and continue with the pro wrestling she could do a Logan Paul contract or a Legends contract, per se, and only guarantee 10 TV appearances and three or four pay-per-views a year, and then she's not having to compete or actually do pro wrestling 365. She can, out of them times where she's in a gap between pay-per-views and did four TV appearances in one month to promote a pay-per-view, now she's off from pro wrestling for four months. Well, now she can go and try to defend that 145 title. If there's nobody there, who cares? It's the 145 belt. Right. It's not the division where we have upsets like Holly Holmes losing to De Silva. Unfortunately, De Bueno Silva over this past weekend, I'm a huge Holly Holm fan. I was a Holly Holm fan when she was a boxer and a kickboxer. I do believe it's seven titles in one and 15 in the other before she came to the UFC and got a UFC belt. And She's had her, she's had her time. It's time for her to hang it up. She was dominating that fight before she got caught, and it, it was a major upset in my opinion, but it also shows what Holmes' weakness has been her whole career, which is her jits. She's been exposed there out of her now seven losses. I think four of them are submission defeats. So she's unfortunately she's a one-trick pony. She threw the same one, two, three, four combo. It was like a left straight, a right straight, a left straight, a right uppercut, and then I, it was a five piece with a left followed during that fight. And she threw that every round that she competed in multiple times. And it landed multiple times. She got in the clinch, I think it was the end of round one, and she caught an elbow from Silva. And then an <laughs> uppercut immediately after. And then they clinched, and from that moment forward, Holmes seemed timid until the submission locked in. She seemed afraid of the strength i feel that silva had and i feel like that's where holly lacks is holly is older and holly has a boxer's body yep. holly is built tall and thin like izzy that's why izzy couldn't get the job done with jan yep he just sat on him jan is too big too powerful oh yeah. so i could and and so are a lot of the other women like um julia pena came yep. out and called out silva after this fight on social media and silva responded in the post-fight presser, I think a little hyped on adrenaline, and she said that in her words, and I quote, she would smash Pena. I don't think so. Now, my response to that is you're, you're referring to the same woman that could take shots from Amanda Nunes and feed them back, and you struggled to stand with Holly Holmes. Now, Holly Holmes is my girl, don't get me wrong, but she's old. She's on her way out. You're not going to be able to just overstrength Pena the way she was with Holmes. But you know firsthand because you dealt with that in your last fight, fighting a older, less athletic opponent. It doesn't matter when that opponent has that one aspect where they're physically better than you, because he was physically better in that grappling aspect because he knew how to position himself. In. Technique beats power. Yes, exactly. Yes, it does. And I think that's what keeps Holmes around. She was ranked number three. A Bueno Silva was ranked number ten. <coughs> Major upset, major shakeup in the division. Yep. I feel like Bueno Silva's getting ahead of herself a little bit, trying to say she could smash Julia Pena. Can we maybe get you against Pennington or somebody else first, and let's get another dominant win over a top she's tra- five? She's trying to get a title shot as fast as possible, which I don't. I mean, I don't blame the, the fighters trying to do that. I mean, if you run your mouth enough, and by chance they give it, there's the worst they can say is no. It's the McGregor, te- <laughs> it's the McGregor technique. It, it's if mm-hmm. I can sell myself as a big ticket draw, they'll give me the big fight. And that, that everybody's taking after that. And, I mean, people think that McGregor was the first to do that. Charles, no. Charles Sonnen walked so McGregor could run. <laughs> and Ali crawled so Sonnen could walk. 
Yeah. Because nobody was better back in the day on a mic on selling a fight than Muhammad Ali. Very Muhammad true. Ali would go out there and he would make it personal. He would make you. He he would go out there and make his opponent feel as though. He had to defend his family's honor based off the things that Ali said he was going to do to him and the way his family would feel when Ali was done with him. Mm-hmm. He was the first one to cut a promo to get under his opponent's skin and know that it worked. Why do you think he had the Ali shuffle? Why do you think he went out there and he put the footwork in and he did the dances? He was a boxing Michael Venom Page 50 years before him. Yeah. I mean, Ali, if you think about it, Ron, Ali went out there and he put on a show every time he competed. Oh, yeah. Think about any Muhammad Ali po- promo. Can you ever think of a moment where I'm the greatest, I'm the best in the world? He wasn't emotional and loud. He wasn't passionate. Those are Ali's words from a promo. I'm the greatest, I'm the best in the world. Nobody can beat me. Mm-hmm. He was doing McGregor before McGregor. Well yeah. before. Oh, yeah, he was, he was good. He knew the media already jumped on him. And so. that's what people fail to realize is Fighting has always been about who can promote themselves. The UFC has officially become who is the biggest ticket draw. Yep. They are no longer who is the best fighter in the world. I mean, I make from a, I mean, if you have the fighters coming and willing to take fights, then from a business standpoint, it makes sense for Dana White to only offer the fighters that are going to make him the most money in his pocket. Otherwise, no. And I get <laughs> I get that, but at the same time, like. These fighters who are, I mean, I'm not going to, WWE wrestlers, like, they obviously do put their body on the line. I, I know it's not, like, the results are scripted, but, like, that is pure athleticism. I can tell you from and, doing um, it, I've done both sports, and pro wrestling is just as dangerous and is just much wear and tear on the body, if not more, in my personal opinion. Cardio-wise, you have to be twice the athlete you do to be a cage fighter to be a pro wrestler. Oh, yeah. And that's from doing both sports, personal opinion, I, it's... The the way I describe it to guys is do an up down, but do it on your back and do it 20 times in five minutes. Now I want you to run around a 16 by 16 ring and do a thousand other moves while you're doing that. <laughs> That's a pro wrestling match for 10 minutes. It's you got to hit the mat a certain way, and it's it's a different it's a different type of animal. Sorry to cut you off and interrupt. Oh no, you're good. I'm always one to go to bat on that because I've competed in martial arts for including wrestling 18 years. I did. Almost, I think, eight hours of pro wrestling, in my opinion, is that strong on it that cardio-wise, you have to be twice the athlete the mixed martial artist does if you want to be a pro wrestler. Just because it has to be scripted and you have to act that out. You don't get to move at your own pace. You never get to set the pace of the fight. If you're not the guy in the ear leading, you're constantly working at somebody else's speed and pace. And if that's not a pace you're used to, you're shit out of luck. Otherwise, that match looks like shit and you're not getting booked again. You got to be up to the task, yeah. But I, I just do think that UFC fighters should start getting more money, though. I mean, they don't need to necessarily 100%. get the crazy amounts that McGregor gets. That's different, but they should at least get double their wages. Is when there's champions that were. I mean, I don't know what the current rate is, but like as recently as five, six years ago, when like the champions are getting fifty k a fight, like that's you. You need more than that for world champions, especially when you know the owners are billionaires. That's just my opinion. I want Ron's opinion on this one. So if Ron, fighter person, fighter pay. You've been pretty quiet this episode, which is unlike you, so let's get your opinion on this one. Francis Ngannou, Tyson Fury. Everybody's been waiting for me to touch on this. I know they have. Now, a lot of people have their opinion on the Paul brothers. Logan Paul, hats off to him. What he's doing in the WWE is fucking amazing and phenomenally athletic. That kid is blowing my mind. His brother Jake. Jake signed to PFL to do the MMA shit. I love that because the whole reason Jake boxes and is trying to prove a point with these MMA guys is he works, he created and helped found with GSP, Mighty Mouse, and a couple other fighters the MMA union. Just mm-hmm. like the NBA and the NFL have a players organization, Jake Paul is trying to help with fighters create a basically an MMA players organization to where all the fighters come together, Bellator, Risen, one, Where they can UFC, go on strike and demand the negotiation say, of their Look, terms. Yeah. This is minimum pay for a championship fight here out, just like boxing did. Just like NBA players say our minimum contract is 825000 no matter who you sign, no matter how long you sign, this is the minimum amount of money you have to pay them. NFL says the same thing. 
MMA does not have that yet, has never had that. And Jake Paul has such a following that he's trying to help MMA get that. I love what Jake Paul stands for. I love people say he's not a boxer, the kid's a boxer. He's put almost five years now in with the top trainers that money can buy in the world. You know firsthand, you know firsthand, and so do some of the listeners. To be a fighter full-time, that makes it your job. And when yeah. you have money to pay for the top trainers in the world and you're getting the top training in the world and you do that for five years, you might not be as good as the guy that had the top training for the last ten years, but you are a goddamn fighter. When Anderson Silva can go out there and do what he did to Michael Corbajal and Jake Paul can go out there and get the win over Silva, Silva's the last one to take a fall for a payday. He earned that win. That's when I earned Jake Paul's respect because he earned that win and that knockdown against Silva. He timed that straight, and he earned that. I give the kid credit. Now, he comes out on social media after it's revealed that Ngannou and Fury are fighting, everybody's saying, oh, Ngannou's getting $8 million, $8 million, $8 million. It's the most he's ever gotten to show for a fight. Jake Paul corrects the world and says, no, he's getting eight figures. For the listeners that don't understand, that's a minimum of $10 million for a man that has received at most $1.4 to show for a fight previously. I, I honestly see one of two things happening regardless of outcome. Nagano's, like, if Nagano wins this fight, I think he keeps fighting, just because why not? And then, but if he loses, if it's close, they might do a rematch, but if it's There's not... There's a rematch clause in the contract. It's already been revealed that win, lose, or draw for both guys, they both have a rematch if they want it. Okay. Well, I think I think it happens just because people are going to want to see it. And then we'll have a rubber match. That's what these guys are wanting to do. I think after it, Nagano's made his money, he's retiring, then why not? Place your investment well and go live your life. Change your family's life. Before I dive into my opinion That's awesome. That, I can't blame him for getting the bag. Your <laughs> thought on that statement right there. How do you feel about an MMA guy finally going besides McGregor and getting the bag? And at that, a one of the most dominant power-punching champions in the UFC... And on top of that, I do believe he was the first Nigerian champion in the UFC. So he he's... Was Usman before him? Usman might have been. I think Usman was interim when Ninganu won it the first time. Because then oh, yeah, for, lost I forgot. to Stipe. Yep, I forgot that he... He lost to Stipe and had to come back yep. and knock Stipe out again. <laughs> <laughs> but... With it being such a solidified and dominant figure in mixed martial arts, not only for who he was, but what he stood for, how does that make you feel as a cage fighter yourself getting ready to make the transition to boxing as far as taking that $100 pay increase? Where does that put your mindset when you're asking for your debut? Do you feel as though this opened a door for lower-level guys like it did when McGregor made his MMA debut at such a high dollar? MMA debuts used to be 250 bucks for pros here in Michigan. Now they're anywhere from four to five hundred, and boxing's anywhere from five to eight. Hmm. Yeah, I know which one I do. <laughs> right. Yeah, facts. Yeah, I mean they're giving a chance for people to make more money. The fighters. Do you feel like Ninganu's payday is going to help your payday? No, honestly, no. But I, I'm ready for the fight. What they do is not going to help me. Hmm. But if we're talking about technical fighters, just fighters. Or are you talking about me in general? I'm talking about you and your next payday at your next fight. Do you think that Francis Ngannou being an MMA guy going to boxing and saying, look what I did in MMA going to boxing, I've already got a credential in MMA, so I deserve at minimum this much in boxing. And granted, he's not getting Canelo money, but Canelo gets like $72 million. Manny gets like, Manny Pacquiao was getting like $30 million. Francis mm -hmm. Ngannou is getting in that range. We don't know the specific number. All we know is that he was placed at a certain level in that range. So he is guaranteed to have eight figures no matter what. So when McGregor got his big payday and his shit went up, it brought everybody else's up. Okay. So do you okay. think Ngannou making his is going to bring yours up? Yeah, he's a, he's a really big MMA guy. To see him box will probably be a big thing for the MMA community. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just ready to watch it. That's going to be fireworks, bro. Like, That's going to be fireworks. 
I like it. I'm excited to see it as well. It, I do think that Fury's going to win the fight. Um, just because he's the more technical boxer. I mean, Nagano just had the puncher's chance, and if, and if he hits him on the button, he's going night-night. Might knock his head off. Yeah. But it's gonna be it's gonna be fun, and I I do think I mean it's gonna be a huge sell. It's a huge draw. He's getting the bag. I do think that it will end up affecting fighters at the lower levels as well. Right, you know, on the custom making the pro debuts, the pro debuts are already in the pro debuts, and it might it's not gonna happen immediately, but it will trickle down, especially if Nagano fights more than once as a boxer. Like if he starts doing this for a couple of years, it's definitely gonna take off, and it's gonna start influencing, especially with what the Paul brothers are doing. If they're successful with the UFC, it's only a matter of time before it pops up. And, and that's kind of the... there's a lot of things that are contingent on it, but like it's. The possibility of Nagano's fight affecting you guys isn't zero. It's and, a lot higher than I think both of you realize because and, I was in the fight game when McGregor got his first $1 million purse, and it was the first time ever a mixed martial artist got that to show. And that's when pro debuts went from 250 to four to 500 Because even the little guy can say, he's not getting a half a million no more. His doubled. Mine might not have to double, but you're going to pay me 100 more bucks. You're going to pay me 200 more bucks. Now, you as an MMA guy, now you got another just like Conor did when he fought Floyd. And he got paid like $40 million total, including pay-per-view buys. Now, you as an MMA guy can say, look, these are my credentials. This is what I did. I fought this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. What are not boxers? They can't say that to you anymore. Because MMA guys are using their credentials now, even at the highest level. So because if the highest guys can do it, what's stopping the bottom guys from see, doing it? See, they're going to do it, but what's going to... But like you said earlier, what no, no matter what the level, not, not, the, not just the highest, but also at the lowest, it's your ability to sell yourself and sell for the organization. So those guys that can do that are are going to be the ones that get those fights, but those guys are also going to be, yes, asking for more money. Yes, those are going and to be the guys. Your ticket sale guys are always going to be the guys, like our guys here in Michigan, like Corey Cuppy and Austin Bashy and them guys that can sell tickets. So they're not only going to get, hey, we're a guy that's got nine pro fights and we're nine and all, so instead of paying us 500 for the pro debut, we feel like we're deserving of eight grand to show, eight grand to win. Oh, by the way, we sold you over 200 tickets, not $200, 200 tickets out of your potential 1,000. We sold 245 of them. So in addition to that, because I'm such a ticket draw and because I'm packing 25% of your arena full, I want you to pay me another four grand. So I need 12 to show, 12 to win. And them guys are getting that. Mm -hmm. Whereas a guy like you, if you can't sell tickets but you're 9-0, you can only go in there and ask for that 8-8. Eight eight. You can't ask for that extra four. What else are you bringing to my promotion in my pocket for me to want to give you an extra potential four to eight grand? Especially if those venues are like reliant on that on your show to make their income as well. And if then if the fighters are smart and they play the long game and they negotiate and make them wait, which is why that puts that puts their that puts their back in the wall because now they're got to make a profit too, so they have no choice at some point and just say yep, accept the terms. That's why you want you got to put on a show or not. Location is key for all promotions. That's why location, location, the location. UFC has the biggest name fighters because they have the best location, the best marketing, the best promotional ability. That doesn't mean they have the best fighters. For example, in my opinion, one of the best fighters out there right now just recently became a free agent, and this is huge breaking news as of yesterday morning. The Michael Venom Page from Bellator, 21-2, two losses, a split decision, and a TKO that he avenged against Douglas Lima in 2019. He was like the second coming of John Jones, if that's what he was. But, but he was started. at 85 and 70. He was smaller. Well, now we have the second coming of Jones at that division in the UFC, and the style bender is he out of sign yet. Now, if he's confident. I've gone to UFC.com. There is, under athletes, a spot where they have no picture posted but it's a gray face, and it says Venom Michael Page. doesn't have any stats, any information, just a name and a gray head. Now, he became a free agent yesterday morning. There is a possibility he signed with the UFC already. 
And a lot of people say, why would, why would he go to the UFC? Why not? He's been with Bellator for 10 years, who's ran by Scott Coker. And people who don't know who Scott Coker is, he is the former owner of Strikeforce. If you don't know what Strikeforce is, it was the UFC's biggest competition next to Pride before they bought both of them out. That was the promotion that gave us guys like Fabricio Werdum, Antonio Bigfoot Silva, uh, Fedor Emelianenko, Dan Henderson, um, it, it, Mark Hunt, Ronda Rousey, Strike Force gave us a lot of stars yes. that developed into mainstream when they hit the UFC because the UFC, like I said, had better promotional and better marketing, better towns. So Scott Coker signs the best fighters in the world. He doesn't sign bums. Yes, he signs guys that make pro debuts, guys that are one and two. He gives guys opportunities. Why do you think they already have 298 Bellator events and 291 UFC? Because Bellator does an event every three damn weeks. Bellator doesn't play. They'll have a roster three times the size of the UFC because they want to have the best fighters in the world. They want to have the best competitors in the world. They don't want to have the biggest ticket draw. One championship and Risen are the same way. Shout out monkey god Jared Brooks from here in <laughs> Michigan as well. He's been over there dominating in one championship. He's been their, I do believe they're 125, their flyweight champion for over a year now. He, his last, he, he went, I do believe, one and one in the UFC, and his last loss was a split decision to none other than Davison Figueroa. The one that just had the five fight fight with or five fight war with Brandon Moreno, the one that dyed his hair all the colorful they used to uh -huh. be the champ. That's and he lost split decision. Brooks got more takedowns than Figueroa. Mm -hmm. Brooks out wrestled him, and that is Figueroa's specialty. Now Brooks has learned to be more dominant with his jujitsu and his striking is a thousand times better than it was in the UFC. Now he has been dominating the division and ran through it so much he's challenging their submission grappling champ for the one twenty or the one thirty five grappling belt. Because he he ain't got nothing else to do. He's ran through division and won. The UFC doesn't have the best fighters. They have the biggest ticket draw. Which is why I think MVP is going to the UFC. Because he wants his as Poirier and Diaz have put it his red painting knife. He wants his fight with McGregor or a Maz Vidal or a Diaz. He wants his million-dollar show, million-dollar win. Yep. Never got that in Bellator. Been there 10 years, 21-2, and four-time champ. You put your work in. You deserve that payday. It's yep. sad that you got to go to a different promotion because the pay is so low for mixed martial artists still that you got to go to the show that pays the top dollar even though they don't got the top guy. I mean, with what's happened in the middle way underneath this, it's not possible. I mean, it's very possible for him to jump in and make like get a good shot immediately. So, I think especially what, he with does, what just happened. <laughs> I think what he does is he comes over and he does exactly what I just said, and he calls out like a McGregor, or he goes for a fighter that he knows is. I mean, this is the same man that went over and fought Mike Perry in BKFC. He wants the biggest name and the biggest payday. Well, there is no more Diaz. Yeah. There is, currently, because he's not in USADA testing, there is no McGregor. Yeah. I could potentially see maybe the call out of Chandler, because Chandler used to be in Bellator, and if Chandler was willing to come up, I could see, and I like that idea because of the wars with Michael Chandler and Pitbull over in Bellator, and the fact that Chandler held the belt, but 55-85, I feel like Chandler's stepping too I'm, far out of his comfort zone. McGregor's I'm going to make a bold statement. If Islam loses his belt sometime within the next year and a half, McGregor will come back. I think McGregor comes back before that. I think McGregor comes back, believe it or not, I feel like McGregor comes back either when Izzy finally goes up and he wants the 85, or McGregor comes back after Poirier beats Gaethje at 291 for that BMF belt. But that's where I was getting with MVP. MVP is at 85. Mm -hmm. I could easily see him saying, I fought at 70, I'll go down to 70. Dustin, I don't care what anybody says. Call uh, me Dustin, a dick writer, Dustin call me a fanboy, whatever you want. Dustin Poirier ain't losing to Justin Gaethje, I promise you that. I, his boxing is I, too good, and his takedown defense I, is too good. I don't think Gaethje yeah. showed his weaknesses, his jujitsu with Habib, when Habib talked us through how he didn't want to break his arm in front of his family, so he switched it to a choke. When I, I don't care. 
Habib struggled and had a switch to a jaw crank. Yes, it was a jaw crank that got Dustin Poirier. But he had a switch he got, from the He got the job the done, ju- and, yes. and Gagey's a good wrestler. So I just feel like Gaethje, yes, everybody thinks Gaethje's strong. He's a power puncher, but this is the same man that knocked out Conor McGregor. And his, I've said from the beginning, Dustin Poirier's hooks are so clean. You know that. We've watched videos mm-hmm. on Poirier, Ron. His hooks when he gets Poor- it inside, and his clinch work is so nasty so with nice. the dirty <laughs> boxing. Gaethje's too wild. Gaethje's gonna his leg kick's cool. That's not gonna work. This is the same man that broke Conor McGregor's leg. He's gonna have to be more. He's gonna have to be more fixated on technique in this fight. He's gonna have to keep Poirier at bay. He's gonna have to keep distance and not swing wildly. And the problem with that, I think, is because it's for the BMF belt and because Poirier has learned from McGregor just, how in the cage to get under your skin. He waits. I love that. Dustin waits till we're toe to toe, and now I'm gonna do like Kevin Holland, and I'm gonna talk my shit. And I'm gonna get under your skin here. I was cool, calm, collective in that promo in the press conference. Yep. But now we dapped up, and I landed that shot. I'm gonna point at your leg and be like, "That hurt, didn't it?" And that's gonna bother you. See what what I think is doesn't get talked about enough is everyone talks about Gagey's power and everything. Dustin does have some sneaky power because Gagey's recognized it, and so has Khabib. Straight right, not but what makes his body like you guys just said, his boxing's great, and like if you can out like. He outboxed McGregor, and McGregor has really good boxing for him. He was an amateur boxing coach at his gym in Ireland. But Gagey's used to being the superior with the hands every single time, and then he gets somebody who hits a little harder than you expect him to, but he gets inside, and Dustin Poirier is like a 30-pound heavier Max Holloway. And what are you going to do with that? Like if this dude's He fights hit, in a phone booth. He loves it. Mm-hmm. And if you got a guy like that has the same mentality as Max, good luck. And, that, and, and that's what I think is going to be Justin's downfall is Justin likes the firefight. Mm-hmm. And he's going to hit Poirier. Poirier's going to hit him, and Justin's going to be like, all right, let's get in there. Sense the moment of, he gets in there, he's going to get ate the fuck up because Dustin's too good inside. He's going to outwork Since this him. is for the BMF belt, like you said, this is going to be a banger. They're going to sell it Because they want to they make a show for the title. D- Dustin's going to threaten Holloway's total strikes thrown in this match. I agree with that. If it doesn't end earlier than that, because you if, want my honest opinion? If it goes the distance, he's going to threaten it. He's going to threaten two, it. I got Dustin knocking him out. 45 seconds into round two, it'll be a straight, straight, straight hook flurry combo. I promise. So put him on the fence. Boom, 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 boom. Couple of hooks, maybe an uppercut and some straights, and Justin's dropping. I got it not going past, I bet, $500 on that, that it won't go past 45 seconds in round two. That's how confident I am about this fight. Don't ask me about the rest of the fights it on is, UFC 291. Is, we'll is, dive into is that Justin, in a little bit. Is Justin the new Tony Ferguson? He's the gatekeeper now? I think he is. I feel like he has been for a while. I feel like it, it's been between him and Chandler at, at them two divisions. It'd be between, actually, them three, 45, 55, 70. If you're not getting through Dustin Poirier, Michael Chandler, or Justin Gaethje, you're not competing for a title at them three divisions. Because them three divisions are ran by them three men. They've all held interim or titles themselves, and they all are top three guys at all times. You want to get to the top, just like at 145 with Max. you got to go through the gatekeeper. Yep. And I love Max Holloway's recent tweet after Volt got his last win where he said, Good, I hope nobody beats him because I'm coming for the kid's soul. Everybody forgets Max Holloway is only 28 years old. He was He's born young. in 94 like me. He'll be 29 this year. He's Max still, is young. He got in the UFC at 21. I think Poirier is still kind of young, too. Yeah, so Poirier is only 31. Both of them guys are relatively young. Like, And Poirier has already done one belt, and now Poirier is a red panty knight. He's a million-dollar show, million-dollar win if you fight Dustin. He's got like, he's well. He's got his hot sauce business too. He's he's got and then he's got which his, I've had the by Dustin the way. It's Poirier, pretty good. The Dustin Poirier Good Fight <laughs> yes. Foundation that he's got down in Louisiana. Shout out to that charity. That charity's put in millions of dollars of work. Mm-hmm. And Dustin grew up in a hood of Lafayette. Again, I, this is the third episode where I mention it. Fans that haven't watched it yet, the video is called <sighs> Fightville. F I G H T V I L L E. It is a documentary on how Dustin Poirier made his amateur transitioned to a professional and made his WEC debut starting with his pro debut down in Lafayette, Louisiana. Dustin Poirier used to be a 240-pound Mexican gangbanger in Lafayette. (laughs) Was arrested 15 times before he was 18 years old. The kid was in and out of trouble. And he he tells everybody in the documentary how at 17 he he walked into an MMA gym and fell in love. And now look at him. He's running one of the biggest charities in Louisiana and fighting for the BMF belt. And he's a good dude now. He's really changed his yeah, life around. Yeah, he, he's, he's a guy that came from the bottom. 
that's why he's one of my favorite fighters because well, well, Dustin that... Poirier, you watch that Fightville DVD and you can't help but be a Dustin Poirier fan because he, he goes by the nickname The Diamond because he feels like he was carved from the rough of nothing. And that's from his mouth in that movie, The Rough of Nothing. That's where you find the diamonds. At the bottom of the coal pit, once you dig through all the bullshit and the dirt and the nasty and the grunt, you find that at the bottom. That's where you find that diamond. And that's uh, the concept and the name even, man. It's like, so, call, like I said, call me a dick writer, call me a fanboy, say what you want to say. I went on a whole 10-minute segment about DP. I don't care because... I like That's him. who I feel like Michael Venom Page is going to call out. That was my whole reason I, in that. I personally believe if Volk and Islam didn't exist, Poirier would be the champion in both those divisions. Oh, I, I, feel don't, like, I don't see nobody beating Islam. I'm not going to lie. I think Volk can. Volk's the only one that can. But I, I, but I, I think with like, the fuller camp, so Islam cannot be as... I don't, I don't feel like Volk... Volk needs to put on weight. He needs to leave 145 and go to 55 like if, McGregor did. You if, need to go. As I say, he, if he does it right and takes his time like John like John did, John Bones Jones did, I think he can. he's the only one because he's already neutralized Islam's wrestling. He's already shown that he can. What's the other one's name? But it's going to be a banger. Time's out. We'll get on him in a minute. And, but that being said, Volk is absolutely the only person on this planet that's signed by anybody that can beat Islam. That has a chance. It's higher than fifty percent. You think he'd beat him? I think he can. I disagree with you. But I will acknowledge that Islam fought on a short camp and he was not full. I have a fifty-fiver in a different promotion that I feel like has better wrestling than Islam. That would beat Islam. That's a tough statement. Patricia Pitbull in Bellator, okay. the one that okay. out wrestled Michael Chandler five times, yeah. knocked Michael Chandler out twice. That man is something different. He has held the belt for almost five years if, over there. If Belgium. Islam just can't overpower him over the course of a five-round fight, then yeah, I, I don't can think see he happening. can because Patricia is just something different, man. He he's and if he's got the da- gas tank of Volk, but bigger like he is, yes. that's gonna hurt Islam. And that's yeah. what I think. That's Volk's issue is he wasn't big enough. If Volk he was had bigger, cardio, he wasn't big enough. Patricia is much bigger than Michael yes. Chandler, and Michael Chandler could go up to one seventy easily. Yeah. Patricia has fought at 45, 55, and 70. I feel like I was saying, Bellator I was gonna say is Volk, underrated I, severely. I think Volk naturally, like, if he slowly did it with his bulk. Because oh, yeah, of, he was 230 when he played I was going to say, because where he na- 170 would be perfect for him. Now. But that I, that's a tough weight class, because that's where... If we are, that's where on, it gets a little different because wingspan comes into a play at that, at that level. If we are on <laughs> weight gain and... <laughs> Jones moving up in particular. Yeah. Izzy Adesanya was recently spotted with John Jones, some playful banter, hanging out, having a few drinks, and he actually posted on social media this morning that it's confirmed we will be training together when referring to Johnny Bones Jones. So Izzy Adesanya has confirmed he is now going to start training with John Bones Jones and his team. Now, Alex Perea has moved up to fight Jan, who Izzy could not conquer and couldn't handle the wrestling of. Now, Prayer's big enough that he can do... On paper, he can do better, but I don't know how he's going to do on the ground. Here's my argument. Perea was just knocked out by Izzy Adesanya not even a little over three months ago by the time this fight will occur. It'll be just barely over 95 days since he was knocked out by Izzy. Your head does not have enough time to recover, I know, because I've had enough concussions. He's going to come in there weekend. He needs second six to, that, to nine months. You're fighting a man that Izzy couldn't knock out. And Izzy could knock you out. A man that outstrengthed and outgrappled and outstruck at moments, and I'm an Izzy fan, Izzy in that fight. And Izzy showed that once he studied your game enough, it took one fight in MMA. This isn't kickboxing, it took one fight. And I'm going to hit you with the same left hook that I tried to hit you with the first cage fight. Me and Ron watched that in Motor City. It was, he slipped and threw a short, powerful left hook. And if you watch his first fight, he threw that hook about five times and missed it almost every time. He landed this in the second time, fight. This time, he landed in the second mm-hmm. fight, and he put Perea out. If Izzy Adesanya can knock Alex Perea out, Jan Blokanovsky can knock Alex Perea out. Yeah. Now... I like the idea that Jan goes up and he conquers the giant that Izzy couldn't, which provokes Izzy to want to go up and challenge Perea. I like now, that. Now, Jamal Hill. 
I love Jamal. He's a GR guy. I was going to bring that That's up. That's one of my favorite guys because he's a local guy. That Achilles injury has daunted him before in the past. And can, can we talk about the respect that Yuri gave him? I love the respect that Yuri gave me. He said it takes a true champion to recognize and, and vacate the title like that. Yuri did the same thing over a shoulder injury. What's going to end up happening because the Jan and the Izzy thing and the whole Perea thing is so much of a ticket draw. Regardless who wins, Jan or Perea, I feel like Izzy is the next challenger at 205. He is. For the simple fact that that is such a ticket draw, then based Why is he off, hanging out with John so much? He's doing the same thing. He's moving up. Exactly. He's learning how to be bigger with his work, working with and, and the GOAT who did it. And he's doing it earlier than John's did. Exactly, while he's still in his prime. And now... John's passing the torch because the Steve UFC Pace's last fight. I'm calling it. Perea, <laughs> the UFC can take Perea and put them with Jamal like all the fans want and put an interim title on that. And now all of a sudden you got two belt fights at 205 that all the fans want to see, whether it's Izzy Yan 2 or Izzy Perea for the first time at 205 and Jamal Hill and Yuri. Dana's and the winner of both goes against each other provided we don't have MVP throw himself somewhere in the mix. This Michael Venom Page thing, everybody's got to remember, if he jumps in and says, I want Stylebender, now there's a big wrench thrown in everything. What do we do with MVP? Because he's 21-2 and two and he's a four-time champ. We can't ignore him. I think Izzy's not going to let him fight him the first time. But I think the draw is he's going to fight Kazmat. That's going to be his first fight. Nope. Kazmat's scheduled to fight uh, uh, Jared Cannonier. He is booked but, to fight Jared Cannonier at UFC depends, 294. That's three pay-per-views away. So that's it depends how fast like Michael January. Page wants a fight. Uh, MVP hasn't fought since uh, the end of 2022, so if he's he, going to want in soon. I was say, but we do know that Cosmont will fight as long as no da- like as long as the heavy damage wasn't taken. He'll fight right now. Robert Whitaker broke so, Jared Cannonier's forearm in round one, and he fought a five-round fight where Robert Whitaker would have broken forearm. I love Kamza. I think he's something special, but. I, I, the only reason I remember his last name, I got to pull his first name up. His last name, Shakir. Shakir Rachmanov. He yeah. fights at 185. I've he, seen him. He's a Korean-looking gentleman. He, I do believe he's actually from Sweden or something like that. He is undefeated as well. And he fights just like Kamzat. He's 17-0, but he's a better boxer. Only reason I remember his name, 90s baby, SpongeBob. <laughs> Family guy, Rock Lobster. Rachmanov. You, you can't not remember the guy's <laughs> name. And he's 17-0, 18-0, with like 13, 14 finishes. This, this guy is something different, and nobody's talking about him like that. And I'm like, this is going to be the guy he fights at 85. When he goes up against Kamza, it's going to be for like an interim. And he's going to shock the world because he's not as big of a name in a ticket draw because he's not Dagestani. He's not Russian. He's not from where they can promote him because of somebody else. This guy is going to be a wave setter and a trend setter just like Ningano and Usman, and he's going to bring a whole new breed of fighters because it, I, I think it's I think I lied. It might not be Sweden. I think it's Norwegian. I'm, I'm, I'm probably way or Norwegian or Australian. It's a blue flag. And I've, I've been peeping some of these undercards, and some of the guys out of his camp have been, they're like 8-0, 9-1, 10-2. He's bringing on a new wave of fighters with him, and yes. he's going to... He's going to mark my Rachmaninoff. You're going to remember that, I promise you, because that kid's going to be something special. He's going to he, he's, he's gonna do something that people haven't seen before. Now, UFC 291 has a stack card. We covered the Yan. We covered the main event. Let me pull it up while I have it available because there was, a, I do believe, Kevin Holland's on the card. We, we, we got some co-main is Ikram. Oskolov, the one that trains with Islam, against yep. Paul Costa. Mm. That's going to be a make-or-break fight, in my opinion, for, for Paul Costa. Yes, yes. He's, he's been on a downswing ever since. So, he, Here's ever, one ever. for you, Ron. Tony Ferguson against the king, Bobby Green. Bobby Green. He's a banger, bro. I love Bobby Green. <sighs> Tony's, Tony's over the hill. I can't. I can't. Go with him anymore. He's he's going. I feel the same. Travis. Cowboy Cerrone two point coming right now, and I hate it. Because I just keep seeing the Kermit the Frog meme when Chandler fucking 
No, when, Chan- when Chandler, Chandler knocked him out, that was him. everything at first. And have fucking amazing. It was great. My man looked like Kermit with his toes in his mouth. Anything it was, it was that rough. Anything boy. that Tony had left was taken with that kick. However, and, he did go to rehab and he did do some shit since then. So I'm curious to see if we can get El Kukui back if he learned how to take that craziness. Now you shake your head no. I love My, Tony and I can't I love I say Tony that. too, but I think Tony's gonna be a Clay Guida. He's going to need a two or three fight skid and then go on a three fight win and then be on a two or three fight skid. He's going to be that guy that never goes away, that he's just there forever. Because as soon as you think if he doesn't win this next fight on his contract, he's going home. And then he gets a crazy round one finish and you're like, that's El Kukui. That's going to be Tony Ferguson, I feel like. I feel like because that was Clay Guida. Clay Guida had the most fights ever in the UFC. He beat Cowboys record. Like he... He's going to be a Robbie Lawler. He's going to be Andre Orlovsky. He's going to be that guy that is always in the top 10 and hangs around and you just can't get rid of him. Max Holloway's that guy at 45, but he's only 28, 29. I do think that, like, with with what's going on, because Volk has his next fight. Volk's going to win. And then there's truly, there's honestly, even from a money draw standpoint, there's really, I hate to say this because I love Max, but there's no reason for Volk to fight Max again. If Vol- I think Volk at that point is like, I want Islam again. I'm moving up, and I'm done. And that's and up. then that's and when that happens. Max is going to take the belt. He's going to hold it for a long time. I think what's going to happen. I don't think Volk wants to vacate it. I think Volk wants to prove a point and defend both, like Nunes did. And the, yeah, you're the, right. I don't think he's going to the diehard El Kukui fan in me. Tony Ferguson somehow pulls a spectacular win out of his ass against Bobby Green. For the love of God, UFC. Give us Max Holloway, Tony Ferguson. At least for an interim. Please, we've been begging for that. Give us Max and Tony. Winner gets Volk if say, Volk doesn't want to go to I was going to say 55. Max has to move up 10 or Ferguson's got to move down 10. That's all that's got to happen. So Ferguson and them, they'll do it at a catchweight. Ferguson's already said that he, he's willing to go 45, 55, 70. He don't care. El Kukui came, like the, the presser that he gave a week or so ago, he's motivated. And I was said that could be a banger because Max, like Max, is gonna hit him, but Max doesn't have the same heavy hands that Chandler does. So, so, yes. Tony, so if Tony's able to sit there and take any alcohol, like that's gonna, because yes, that'd be that'd be a firefight. That'd be a because if there's a guy that can take punches like like Volk, but like Tony's gonna do it if they're not as powerful. And I like, I love Tony, and I really wish that the Khabib fight would have happened. That's that's one of the greatest what ifs. And look, I shout do, out to the shout out to the guys in Detroit that used to run the new Sweet Science, because if it wasn't for those guys, I wouldn't have kept up on MMA like that back then. I do think could be but a one. Also. Four times that fight was booked and canceled. That fight is cursed. We are never meant to have that fight. I'm sorry. I I I wanted that fight for so long, but they convinced me that that fight is cursed because I've watched so many other fights get booked and then canceled and then booked. No fight that I can ever recall got booked four times and canceled all four times other than Habib Ferguson. That fight's cursed. It's just We're not meant to be that lucky. Either that or that would have been Habib's one loss, and the MMA gods said, no, you deserve to go with your own. I love Tony, but I don't know if Tony would have won that. He might have because he would have been the one guy that's crazy in the octagon with He would have gotten Habib's shit, and that's the one that, thing everybody was that, afraid that, that, to that's do. That's the one thing that... Yeah, Tony might have been able to do is get under Khabib's skin inside the octagon, and I mean, I mean, obviously McGregor got under his skin underneath the octagon, but it was all business inside for Khabib. But Tony could probably get under his skin in the octagon. Next one, Khabib is such a great wrestler. It is. It is. It just depends. Different type of wrestling, like smothered. Oh, I was gonna say, if Khabib gets a hold of him, like it's. I feel like Tony's jits is crazy enough to where he could have pulled something out. Tony's the only one I feel like that's got jits able to do. Tony's pulled some crazy submissions. Him and Max Holloway. Max, I feel like if Max had went up in weight, Max might have had a shot at him too. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give your boy DP a shout out because he's the only one that he he TKO'd Max and he got Max with the inverted triangle. That was disgusting. If Poirier would have actually locked his leg in around Khabib when the guillotine, he might, he probably would have actually tapped Khabib. Now this next one's one, and he recognized that right after the fight, he said something about it. But Poirier, I was saying, I was screaming it when it happened. I was like, "Get your leg over!" You are giving him the out. And he dropped his hip and pulled out. And Michael Chiesa, the jujitsu guy that's known for talking shit while he grapples, white boy. (laughs) Yep, now you know. Against Kevin Loudmouth Holland, 
the guy that goes out there and is like, oh, them punches is supposed to hurt? You hit like a bitch. Oh, why you got to do me like that? Constantly talking shit while he fights. This is literally a fight between two guys that go out there and the whole fight run their mouth to their opponent. Kevin Holland has been mounted by uh, uh, Michael Johnson. And Michael Johnson hit him clean and Kevin Holland hooked his arm for an overhook and looked at him and said, why you got to hit me like that? Why you got to hit so hard? That shit hurt. Kevin Holland's nickname is Loudmouth because he goes out there and he talks shit. Mm -hmm. And he goes out there, Diaz flexes on his opponents and everything. That's his gimmick is the Diaz brothers did it. I'm going to do it too. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to talk shit all fight long, win, lose, or draw. At the end of the fight, I'm going to get under your skin and I won mentally. So he's getting a victory in his mind no matter what he does. So he just loves to fight. Mm -hmm. And Michael Kies is the same way because he, he did that to Kevin Lee. Put the hooks in on Kevin Lee and talk shit to him until he choked him. And choked him to sleep. Just like <laughs> Kevin Lee recently got choked to sleep before he retired what, two weeks what, what, ago. What a dude tell, like, was saying him a lullaby and shit. Like. <laughs> now, and before that, this whole pay-per-view's a banger. We got Steven Wonderboy Thompson, another fighter Ooh. after my heart with a karate background, against Michael Pereira, the one that does the fancy front flip kicks mm -hmm. when his opponents are on the ground and shit, the crazy circus-style fighter. That's going to be a really good fight. Somebody's going to sleep by the end of round one. Wrong. Yeah, yeah, between Wonder Boy's kicks and, and Perea's yeah. crazy fighting style, someone's yeah. going out. It's going to be so flashy. None of the, both of them are not opposed to banging. UFC 291 next Saturday, July 29th. And look, this is the opening bout: Douglas Lima's brother Marcos Rodrigo de Lima against the Black Beast Derek Lewis. So let's go jujitsu against power puncher. Who's gonna win? Now, every time they put a grappler up against Derek, Derek's put him to sleep. You put Derek up against a striker, and Derek don't do too well because he gets wore out. Look at the Taya Tuivasi fight. I was going to say, anyone who's actually like a but, striker at that level, that's legit. Like, but that's just... a no-brainer in my opinion. You can't put Derek in there with a jiu-jitsu guy and expect it to go well for the jits guy. That's well, just... They're doing that on purpose. Derek's been on a downswing. They're getting him back up. And he's, he's, he's another he's, ticket he's a, draw. He's a ticket draw. He's, his post-fight commentary by itself. Hmm. Legendary. It's up there with Marshawn. My Lynch. balls is hot. <laughs> yeah. Look, it don't get much better than that. Shit. Uh, well, shit. Him. That's that. I think that about uh that covers it for the MMA talk and the MMA rumor mills. We got UFC 291 coming up. We covered that Holly Holm upset, Rousey's return, MVP, Perea, Adesanya. I think we touched on just about everything. Ngannou Fury. I'm sure, again, if any of them fans out there feel like I'm lacking knowledge, lacking information, lacking something, you know how to get a hold of me. Facebook, social media, email, everything's been dropped. With that being said, we're going to uh, go ahead and wrap the regular portion of the podcast up. And